Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I am your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. These books are available at https colon slash slash the philosophical angle dot com. If you'd like to contact us or make comment, inquire, or suggestions, or please give us an email at contact at the philosophical angle dot com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has an MBA from Wharton, and uh, Rick is an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you, Rick. And you. The purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media, and secondarily, use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. So uh, this uh, this week we're going to discuss President Trump had a meeting with President Putin of Russia. And it looks like they're going to have another one coming up sometime in the fall where President Putin will come uh, to the United States. So it kind of brings up a question uh, because the media was in a tizzy about whether Russia is an enemy or a friend. So what is an ally? And can we determine whether... Russia could be an ally. So, in order to get to that, to answer that question, let's first find out what is an ally. And uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to so we're going to define it first of all, and uh, we're gonna, you can follow us around uh, along here. An ally is one with whom there is peace. That is life without conflict. An ally is one that is not only without conflict, but one who is proactively cooperative. And so to be an ally is to to seek cooperation with others. But this kind of brings us up to a, a question of what is being cooperative? What is the meaning of cooperation? What is cooperation? What is its essence? And cooperation is the, the knowledge that if the life entity combines its effort with others that have the same priority and efficiency of production will occur. In addition to that, the second ingredient of cooperation is the consummation of this cooperative knowledge into a reward of achieving the manufacturing or producing a, a good or service uh, and together is cooperation. So you got to think that cooperation is, is that we're going to think about the fact that if we combine our efforts, we're going to achieve an efficiency. And then just going ahead and doing so. That's the essence of, of cooperation. And so, and so an ally, to get back to, the, uh, to our, uh, our thought process here, an ally is to seek cooperation with others. And we seek cooperation in order to produce goods and services because goods and services bring us up away from misery. And bringing us up away from misery is the essence of all that is good. 
and all organisms, all life entities seek that which is good for it, which I'm also going to uh, note as the first dictum of economics. And the seeking and the seeking of goodness is the, the common interest between parties. And there, uh, there needs to be a, a manifestation of the cooperation, as we, as we noted over here uh, previously. And the manifestation comes in the form of contracts and agreements and covenants. And, and within any contract and agreement are the obligations and rights of the participants. And these agreements and covenants and contracts are used to, uh, to uh, are used in order to produce efficiently the goods and services that we wish to produce that that brings goodness to our lives. And so, if we follow this thought sequence, we can see that what a, what an ally would have to be or would have to do in order to become a friend of the United States. So let's ask Rick in considering of this, in consideration of this, whether Russia could become an ally. Rick, what do you think? I think short term it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't think there are enough shared interests between the United States and Russia. Um, I think Putin has proven himself to be tactically um, very clever. Um, he certainly outfoxed the Obama administration, and there is a strong likelihood that he'll be able to do the same with the Trump administration irrespective of uh, President Trump's efforts to achieve some sort of comedy. Uh, I think Putin resorts to similar tactics uh, of surprise and engagement and disengagement. Uh, and in his case, he also resorts to underhanded um, military activities. Uh, so he's he's a dangerous character to try to negotiate with uh, if you think you're going to achieve um, you know a lasting peace. I think he he disaggregates. He has a grand strategy, but he disaggregates the diplomatic challenges um, carefully and depending on the situation, whether it's dealing with Syria, dealing with particularly Germany and Europe, dealing with the United States, he will apply tactics to his advantage. Um, and where Trump also surprises, uh, engages, disengages, negotiates, steps back, uh, he doesn't resort, nor does the United States resort to uh, military activities that are clearly designed to uh, take over conquer, you know, conquer a country like the, the Ukraine um, oppose uh, allied interests um, 
as represented by the United States, obviously, but also to a lesser extent Europe and NATO. Uh, but for Russia does all of these things. The only scenario in which I could see Russia's interests permanently aligning with those of the U.S. and the West more generally would be in the face of a Chinese challenge great enough that it would take the combined power of Russia and the West to offset it. And that that's not impossible to imagine at the rate they're growing, but it's not going to happen soon. You know, you mentioned something about grand strategy, but actually, let me ask you, why do you think Russia is essentially an adversarial situation? Well, I think he's a nationalist. Um, he uh, regrets the collapse of the Soviet Union, that empire, um, and as a nationalist would like to see at least parts of it Reestablished, he has done so in the case of the Ukraine. Um, it's not hard to imagine that he would consider similar actions uh, with Baltic countries, for example. You know, uh, when you say when you say nationalist, you mean that he's he's into nation building, that he'd like to expand the borders of the uh, present Russia, the country yes. of Russia. Yes. Yes. Not not. Not perhaps back to the original borders of the Soviet Union, because there, there are problems with that um, in terms of uh, conflict with um, Islam and so forth. Uh, but uh, Ukraine is a clear case, the Crimea is a clear, clear case where he views these as strategic assets, and it's in his interest as a Russian nationalist to uh, capture them. And, which he's done, <laughs> frankly. So the uh, the grand strategy you uh, you referred to earlier is that uh, is to just expand the influence and domination of Russia beyond its present borders. Yes, and to uh, also foster alliances that, uh, and this includes military support, that put Russia in a position to exert um, influence over most particularly the world price of oil, uh, but also more broadly um, geopolitical events around its border, uh, including the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, farther reaches of Asia. So I don't think you're going to see Russia intervening in South America, for example. It's just not on the map, it's not relevant enough. But in the borderlands, I think you're going to continue to see Russian mischief. Um, what has happened with, I mean, if you, if you look at what's happened with the relationship between Turkey and Russia and Russia and China, Russia has used at various times uh, techniques to pull Turkey away from the West and has succeeded. China is doing the same thing, by the way, and has succeeded uh, at the expense of uh, the United States. And, and uh, well, I, I think Western Europe is now so weak that they're just not a factor in, in any of this. But 
at least nominally, their 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 interests are aligned with those of the United States, even though at a military level they are completely ineffective. Uh, but over time, uh, the Putin tactics had uh, yielded results, uh, most particularly in Turkey, also Syria, Iraq. The United States is no longer the major player in Iraq. Uh, Russia's developed a relationship with Iran out of mutual interest, not necessarily one that's sustainable, but for the moment, it's working to the advantage of, of the Russians, and they are the players now in Syria, not the United States. Don't you think that uh, is Russia not really opened up enough to, uh, to allowing international uh, investment? They just seem to... Uh discourage that? Well, I, I just think there's been a sorry history of um, interference in Western investments, you know, particularly oil investments uh, in Russia that's made, it's just made it a very risky proposition. You're dealing with um, kleptocrats, oligarchs. Right. Property rights uh, are not adhered to. If you're outside of right. the inner circle, you know, and the big the big uh, oil companies know that, and they you know they tread very very carefully. That doesn't mean they won't ever uh, invest again in, in Russia. They, they they will. It's too big a pot of oil, um, but the circumstances you know have to be very narrowly defined, and it's just not easy. That's right, and it's uh, and I think that's. It's to their detriment because they've not been able to open up and invite international, of, of, and not only in, in the oil and gas industry, but any industry at all. And their non-adherence to property rights, unless you're in the inner circle, um, I think is really detracting from uh, from from their progress as a country. What do you think? Well, clearly, I mean, their economic growth statistics are, are poor. Right. Actually, not not as bad as Brazil's, but they're poor. <laughs> Or Venezuela. All right. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Rick, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Philosophical Angle. All right, thank you. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I am your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. These books are available at https colon slash slash the philosophical angle dot com. If you'd like to contact us or make comment, inquire or suggestions or please give us an email at contact at the philosophical angle dot com. Along with me is my colleague and co host Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has an MBA from Wharton and uh, Rick is an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you Rick. And you the purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. So uh, this, uh, this week we're going to discuss President Trump had a meeting with President Putin of Russia and it looks like they're going to have another one coming up sometime in the fall where President Putin will come uh, to
to the United States. So it kind of brings up a question uh, because the media was in a tizzy about whether Russia is an enemy or a friend. So what is an ally? And can we determine whether Russia could be an ally? So in order to get to that, to answer that question, let's first find out what is an ally. And uh, so we're going to, uh, we're going to, so we're going to define it first of all, and uh, we're gonna, you can follow us around uh, along here. An ally is one with whom there is peace. That is life without conflict. An ally is one that is not only without conflict, but one who is proactively cooperative. And so, to be an ally is to to seek cooperation with others. But this kind of brings us up to a, a question of what is being cooperative? What is the meaning of cooperation? What is cooperation? What is its essence? And cooperation is the, the knowledge that if the life entity combines its effort with others that have the same priority, an efficiency of production will occur. In addition to that, the second ingredient of cooperation is the consummation of this cooperative knowledge into a reward of achieving the manufacturing or producing a, a good or service uh, and together is cooperation. So you got to think that cooperation is, is that we're going to think about the fact that if we combine our efforts we're going to achieve an efficiency and then just going ahead and doing so. That's the essence of, of cooperation. And so and so an ally, to get back to the uh, to our, uh, our thought process here, an ally is to seek cooperation with others. And we seek cooperation in order to produce goods and services because goods and services bring us up away from misery. And bringing us up away from misery is the essence of all that is good. And all organisms, all life entities, seek that which is good for it. Which I'm also going to... Uh, note as the first dictum of economics. And the seeking and the seeking of goodness is the the common interest between parties. And there uh, there needs to be a, a manifestation of the cooperation, as we, as we noted over here uh, previously. And the manifestation comes in the form of contracts and agreements and covenants and and within any contract and agreement are the obligations and rights of the participants. And these agreements and covenants and contracts are used to, uh, to uh, are used in order to produce efficiently the goods and services that we wish to produce that that brings goodness to our lives. And so, if we follow this thought sequence we can see that what, it, what an ally would have to be or would have to do in order to become a friend of the United States. So let's ask Rick in considering of this, in consideration of this, whether Russia could become an ally. Rick, what do you think? 
I think short term, it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't think there are enough shared interests between the United States and Russia. Um, I think Putin has proven himself to be tactically um, very clever. Um, he certainly outfoxed the Obama administration, and there is a strong likelihood that he'll be able to do the same with the Trump administration, irrespective of uh, President Trump's efforts to achieve some sort of comedy. Uh, I think Putin resorts to similar tactics uh, of surprise and engagement and disengagement uh, and in his case he also resorts to underhanded um, military activities uh, so he's he's a dangerous character to try to negotiate with uh, if you think you're going to achieve um, you know, a lasting peace. I think he he disaggregates. He has a grand strategy, but he disaggregates the diplomatic challenges um, carefully. And depending on the situation, whether it's dealing with Syria, dealing with uh, particularly Germany and Europe, dealing with the United States, he will apply tactics to his advantage. Um, and where Trump also surprises, uh, engages, disengages, negotiates, steps back, uh, he doesn't resort, nor does the United States resort to uh, military activities that are clearly designed to uh, take over, conquer, you know, conquer a country like the, the Ukraine, um, oppose uh, allied interests, um, as represented by the United States, obviously, but also to a lesser extent Europe and NATO. Uh, but for Russia does all of these things. The only scenario in which I could see Russia's interests permanently aligning with those of the U.S. and the West more generally would be in the face of a Chinese challenge great enough that it would take the combined power of Russia and the West to offset it. And that that's not impossible to imagine at the rate they're growing, but it's not going to happen soon. You know, you mentioned something about grand strategy, but actually, let me ask you, why do you think Russia is essentially an adversarial situation? Well, I think he's a nationalist. Um, he uh, regrets the collapse of the Soviet Union, that empire, um, and as a nationalist would like to see at least parts of it reestablished. He has done so in the case of the Ukraine. Um, it's not hard to imagine that he would consider similar actions uh, with Baltic countries, for example. You know, when you say when you say nationalist, you mean that he's he's into nation building, that he'd like to 
expand the borders of the uh, present Russia, the country yes. of Russia? Yes. Yes. Not, not, not perhaps back to the original borders of the Soviet Union, because there, there are problems with that um, in terms of uh, conflict with um, Islam and so forth. Uh, but uh, Ukraine is a clear case. The Crimea is a clear, clear case where you use these as strategic assets, and it's in his interest as a Russian nationalist to uh, capture them, and, which he's done, <laughs> frankly. So the uh, the grand strategy you uh, you referred to earlier is that uh, is to just expand the influence and domination of Russia beyond its present borders. Yes, and to uh, also foster alliances that, uh, and this includes military support, that put Russia in a position to exert um, influence over most particularly the price of oil, uh, but also more broadly um, geopolitical events around that's border, uh, included in the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, the farther reaches of Asia. So I don't think you're going to see Russia intervening in South America, for example. It's just not on the map. It's not relevant enough. But in the borderlands, I think you're going to continue to see Russian mischief. Um, what has happened with, I mean, if you, if you look at what's happened the relationship between Turkey and Russia and Russia and China. Russia has used at various times uh, techniques to pull Turkey away from the West and has succeeded. Uh, China's doing the same thing, by the way, and has succeeded uh, at the expense of uh, the United States. And, and uh, well, I, I think Western Europe is now so weak that. They're just not a factor in, in any of this, but um, at least nominally, their 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 interests are aligned with those of the United States, even though at a military level they are completely ineffective. Uh, but over time, uh, the Putin tactics have uh, yielded results, uh, most particularly in Turkey, also Syria, Iraq. The United States is no longer the major player in Iraq. Uh, Russia's developed a relationship with Iran out of mutual interest, not necessarily one that's sustainable, but for the moment, it's working to the advantage of, of the Russians, and they are the players now in Syria, not the United States. Don't you think that uh, is Russia not really opened up enough to, uh, to allowing international uh, investment they just seem to uh, discourage that. Well, I, I just think there's been a sorry history of uh, interference in Western investments, you know, particularly oil investments uh, in Russia. That's made it's just made it a very risky proposition. You're dealing with um, kleptocrats, oligarchs. Right. Property rights uh, are not adhered to if you're outside of right. the inner circle. You know, and the big 
the big uh, oil companies know that, and they you know they tread very very carefully. That doesn't mean they won't ever uh, invest again in, in Russia. They, they they will. It's too big a pot of oil, um, but the circumstances you know have to be very narrowly defined, and it's just not easy. That's right, and it's uh, and I think that's. It's to their detriment because they've not been able to open up and invite international, of, of, and not only in, in the oil and gas industry, but any industry at all. And their non-adherence to property rights, unless you're in the inner circle, um, I think is really detracting from uh, from from their progress as a country. What do you think well, clearly, I mean, their economic growth statistics are, are poor. Right. Actually, not not as bad as Brazil's, but they're poor. <laughs> Or Venezuela. All right. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Rick, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Philosophical Angle. All right, thank you. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I am your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. These books are available at HTTPS colon slash slash the philosophical angle dot com. If you'd like to contact us or make comment, inquire or suggestions or please give us an email at contact at the philosophical angle dot com. Along with me is my colleague and co host Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has an MBA from Wharton and uh, Rick is an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you Rick. And you the purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. So uh, this, uh, this week we're going to discuss President Trump had a meeting with President Putin of Russia and it looks like they're going to have another one coming up sometime in the fall where President Putin will come uh, to the United States. So it kind of brings up a question uh, because the media was in a tizzy about whether Russia is an enemy or a friend. So what is an ally? And can we determine whether... Russia could be an ally. So, in order to get to that, to answer that question, let's first find out what is an ally. And uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to so we're going to define it first of all, and uh, we're gonna, you can follow us around uh, along here. An ally is one with whom there is peace. That is life without conflict. An ally is one that is not only without conflict, but one who is proactively cooperative. And so to be an ally is to, to seek cooperation with others. But this kind of brings us up to a, a question of what is being cooperative? What is the meaning of cooperation? What is cooperation? What is its essence? And cooperation is the, the knowledge that if the life entity combines its effort with others that have the same priority, an efficiency of production will occur. 
in addition to that, the second ingredient of cooperation is the consummation of this cooperative knowledge into a reward of achieving the manufacturing or producing a, a good or service uh, and together is cooperation. So you got to think that cooperation is, is that we're going to think about the fact that if we combine our efforts, we're going to achieve an efficiency. And then just going ahead and doing so. That's the essence of, of cooperation. And so, and so an ally, to get back to, the, uh, to our, uh, our thought process here, an ally is to seek cooperation with others. And we seek cooperation in order to produce goods and services because goods and services bring us up away from misery. And bringing us up away from misery is the essence of all that is good. And all organisms, all life entities, seek that which is good for it. Which I'm also going to uh, note as the first dictum of economics. And the seeking, and the seeking of goodness, is the the common interest between parties. And there, uh, there needs to be a, a manifestation of the cooperation, as we, as we noted over here uh, previously. And the manifestation comes in the form of contracts and agreements and covenants. And, and within any contract and agreement are the obligations and rights of the participants. And these agreements and covenants and contracts are used to... Uh, to, uh, are used in order to produce efficiently the goods and services that we wish to produce that, that brings goodness to our lives. And so, if we follow this thought sequence, we can see that what, a, what an ally would have to be or would have to do in order to become a friend of the United States. So, let's ask Rick in considering of this, in consideration of this, whether Russia could become an ally. Rick, what do you think? I think short term, it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't think there are enough shared interests between the United States and Russia. Um, I think Putin has proven himself to be tactically <coughs> Um, very clever. Um, he certainly outfoxed the Obama administration, and there is a strong likelihood that he'll be able to do the same with the Trump administration, irrespective of uh, President Trump's efforts to achieve some sort of comedy. Uh, I think Putin resorts to similar tactics uh, of surprise and engagement and disengagement uh, and in his case he also resorts to underhanded um, military activities uh, so he's he's a dangerous character to try to negotiate with if you think you're going to achieve, um, you know, a lasting peace, I think he 
he disaggregates. He has a grand strategy, but he disaggregates the diplomatic challenges um, carefully and depending on the situation, whether it's dealing with Syria, dealing with uh, particularly Germany and Europe, dealing with the United States, he will apply tactics to his advantage. Um, and where Trump also surprises, uh, engages, disengages, negotiates, steps back, uh, he doesn't resort, nor does the United States resort to uh, military activities that are clearly designed to uh, take over, conquer, you know, conquer a country like the, the Ukraine, um, oppose uh, allied interests um, as represented by the United States, obviously, but also to a lesser extent Europe and NATO. Uh, but for Russia does all of these things. The only scenario in which I could see Russia's interests permanently aligning with those of the U.S. and the West more generally would be in the face of a Chinese challenge great enough that it would take the combined power of Russia and the West to offset it. And that that's not impossible to imagine at the rate they're growing, but it's not going to happen soon. You know, you mentioned something about grand strategy, but actually, let me ask you, why do you think Russia is essentially an adversarial situation? Well, I think he's a nationalist. Um, he... Uh, regrets the collapse of the Soviet Union, that empire, um, and as a nationalist would like to see at least parts of it reestablished. He has done so in the case of the Ukraine. Um, it's not hard to imagine that he would consider similar actions uh, with Baltic countries, for example. You know, uh, when, you say, when you say nationalist, you mean that he's, he's into nation building, that he'd like to expand the borders of the... Uh, present Russia the country yes. of Russia yes yes not 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 perhaps back to the original borders of the Soviet Union because there, there are problems with that um, in terms of uh, conflict with um, Islam and so forth uh, but uh, Ukraine is a clear case the Crimea is a clear, clear case where he views these as strategic assets, and it's in his interest as a Russian nationalist to uh, capture them, and, which he's done, <laughs> frankly. So the uh, the grand strategy you uh, you referred to earlier is that uh, is to just expand the influence and domination of Russia beyond its present borders. Yes, and to uh, also foster alliances that, uh, and this includes military support, that put Russia in a position to exert um, influence over most particularly the world price of oil, uh, but also more broadly um, geopolitical events around its border, 
uh, including the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, farther reaches of Asia. So I don't think you're going to see Russia intervening in South America, for example. It's just not on the map. It's not relevant enough. But in the borderlands, I think you're going to continue to see Russian mischief. Um, what has happened with, I mean, if you, if you look at what's happened with the relationship between Turkey and Russia and Russia and China, Russia has used at various times uh, techniques to pull Turkey away from the West and has succeeded. Uh, China's doing the same thing, by the way, and has succeeded uh, at the expense of uh, the United States and, and uh well, I think Western Europe is now so weak that they're just not a factor in, in any of this. But um, at least nominally, their, their, their interests are aligned with those in the United States, even though at a military level they are completely ineffective. Uh, but over time, uh, the Putin tactics have uh, yielded results, uh, most particularly in Turkey, also Syria, Iraq, the United States is no longer the major player in Iraq. Uh, Russia's developed a relationship with Iran out of mutual interest, not necessarily one that's sustainable, but for the moment, it's working to the advantage of, of the Russians, and they are the players now in Syria, not the United States. Don't you think that uh, is Russia not really opened up enough to, uh, to allowing international uh, investment they just seem to uh, discourage that. Well, I, I just think there's been a sorry history of um, interference in Western investments, you know, particularly oil investments uh, in Russia. That's made it's just made it a very risky proposition. You're dealing with um, kleptocrats, oligarchs. Right. Property rights uh, are not adhered to if you're outside of right. the inner circle. You know, and the big the big uh, oil companies know that, and they you know they tread very very carefully. That doesn't mean they won't ever uh, invest again in, in Russia. They, they they will. It's too big a pot of oil, um, but the circumstances you know have to be very narrowly defined, and it's just not easy. That's right, and it's uh, and I think that's it's to their detriment because they've not been able to open up and invite international of, of and not only in, in the oil and gas industry but any industry at all, and their non-adherence to property rights unless you're in the inner circle, um, I think is really detracting from uh, from from their progress as a country. What do you think? Well, clearly, I mean, their economic growth statistics are, are poor. Right. Actually. Not not as bad as Brazil's, but they're poor. <laughs> <laughs> or Venezuela. All right. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Rick, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Philosophical Angle. All right, thank you. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I am your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is The Philosophical Equations of Economics. These books are available at https colon slash slash the philosophical angle dot com 
you'd like to contact us or make comment, inquire, or suggestions, or please give us an email at contact at the philosophicalangle.com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has an MBA from Wharton, and uh, Rick is an independent venture capitalist. Good to see you, Rick. And you. The purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. So uh, this, uh, this week we're going to discuss President Trump had a meeting with President Putin of Russia and it looks like they're going to have another one coming up sometime in the fall where President Putin will come uh, to the United States. So it kind of brings up a question uh, because the media was in a tizzy about whether Russia is an enemy or a friend. So what is an ally? And can we determine whether Russia could be an ally? So in order to get to that, to answer that question, Let's first find out what is an ally. And uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to so we're going to define it first of all, and uh, we're gonna, you can follow us around uh, along here. An ally is one with whom there is peace. That is life without conflict. An ally is one that is not only without conflict but one who is proactively cooperative. And so to be an ally is to, to seek cooperation with others. But this kind of brings us up to a, a question of what is being cooperative? What is the meaning of cooperation? What is cooperation? What is its essence? And cooperation is the, the knowledge that if the life entity combines its effort with others that have the same priority, an efficiency of production will occur. In addition to that, the second ingredient of cooperation is the consummation of this cooperative knowledge into a reward of achieving the manufacturing or producing a, a good or service. Uh, and together is cooperation. So you got to think that cooperation is is that we're going to think about the fact that if we combine our efforts, we're going to achieve an efficiency. And then just going ahead and doing so. That's the essence of, of cooperation. And so, and so an ally, to get back to, the, uh, to our, uh, our thought process here, an ally is to seek cooperation with others. And we seek cooperation in order to produce goods and services because goods and services bring us up away from misery. And bringing us up away from misery is the essence of all that is good. And all organisms, all life entities, seek that which is good for it. Which I'm also going to uh, note as the first dictum of economics. And the seeking, and the seeking of goodness is the, the common interest between parties. And there, uh, there needs to be a, a manifestation of the cooperation, as, as we noted over here. 
previously. And the manifestation comes in the form of contracts and agreements and covenants. And, and within any contract and agreement are the obligations and rights of the participants. And these agreements and covenants and contracts are used to, uh, to uh, are used in order to produce efficiently the goods and services that we wish to produce that that brings goodness to our lives. And so, if we follow this thought sequence, we can see that what a, what an ally would have to be or would have to do in order to become a friend of the United States. So let's ask Rick in considering of this, in consideration of this, whether Russia could become an ally. Rick, what do you think? I think short term it's highly unlikely. Um, I don't think there are enough shared interests between the United States and Russia. Um, I think Putin has proven himself to be tactically um, very clever. Um, he certainly outfoxed the Obama administration, and there is a strong likelihood that he'll be able to do the same with the Trump administration, irrespective of uh, President Trump's efforts to achieve some sort of comedy. Uh, I think Putin resorts to similar tactics uh, of surprise and engagement and disengagement. Uh, and in his case, he also resorts to underhanded um, military activities. Uh, so he's, he's a dangerous character to try to negotiate with uh, if you think you're going to achieve um, you know, a lasting peace. I think he he disaggregates. He has a grand strategy, but he disaggregates the diplomatic challenges um, carefully, and depending on the situation, whether it's dealing with Syria, dealing with particularly Germany and Europe, dealing with the United States, he will apply tactics to his advantage, um, and where Trump also surprises, uh, engages, disengages, negotiates, steps back. Uh, he doesn't resort, nor does the United States resort to uh, military activities that are clearly designed to uh, take over, conquer, you know, conquer country like the, the Ukraine, um, oppose uh, allied interests, um, as represented by the United States, obviously, but also to a lesser extent Europe and NATO. Uh, but for Russia does all of these things. The only scenario in which I could see Russia's interests permanently aligning with those of the U.S. and the West more generally would be in the face of a Chinese challenge great enough 
that it would take the combined power of Russia and the West to offset it. And that that's not impossible to imagine at the rate they're growing, but it's not going to happen soon. You know, you mentioned something about grand strategy, but actually, let me ask you, why do you think Russia is essentially an adversarial situation? Well, I think he's a nationalist. Um, he uh, regrets the collapse of the Soviet Union, that empire, um, and as a nationalist would like to see at least parts of it reestablished. He has done so in the case of the Ukraine. Um, it's not hard to imagine that he would consider similar actions uh, in Baltic countries, for example. You know, when you say when you say nationalist, you mean that he's he's into nation building, that he'd like to expand the borders of the uh, present Russia, the country yes. of Russia. Yes. Yes. Not 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 perhaps back to the original borders of the Soviet Union, because there there are problems with that um, in terms of uh, conflict with um, Islam and so forth. Uh, but uh, Ukraine is a clear case, the Crimea is a clear, clear case where he views these as strategic assets and it's in his interest as a Russian nationalist to uh, capture them, and, which he's done, <laughs> frankly. So the, uh, the grand strategy you, uh, you referred to earlier is, that, uh, is to just expand the influence and domination of Russia beyond its present borders? Yes, and to uh, also foster alliances that, uh, and this includes military support, that put Russia in a position to exert um, influence over most particularly the world price of oil, uh, but also more broadly um, geopolitical events around that's border, uh, including the Middle East, uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, farther reaches of Asia. So I don't think you're going to see Russia intervening in South America, for example. It's just not on the map. It's not relevant enough. But in the borderlands, I think you're going to continue to see Russian mischief. Um, what has happened with, I mean, if you, if you look at what's happened the relationship between Turkey and Russia and Russia and China. Russia has used at various times uh, techniques to pull Turkey away from the West and has succeeded. Uh, China's doing the same thing, by the way, and has succeeded uh, at the expense of uh, the United States and, and uh, well, I, I think Western Europe is now so weak that they're just not a factor in, in any of this, but um, at least nominally, their 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 interests are aligned with those of the United States, even though at a military level they are completely ineffective. Uh, but over time, uh, the Putin tactics have uh, yielded results, uh, most particularly in Turkey, also Syria, Iraq. The United States is no longer the major player in Iraq. 
Uh, Russia's developed a relationship with Iran out of mutual interest, not necessarily one that's sustainable, but for the moment, it's working to the advantage of, of the Russians, and they are the players now in Syria, not the United States. Don't you think that uh, is Russia not really opened up enough to uh, to allowing international uh, investment? They just seem to uh, discourage that. Well, I, I, I just think there's been a sorry history of uh, interference in Western investments, you know, particularly oil investments uh, in Russia. That's made it's made it a very risky proposition. You're dealing with um, kleptocrats, oligarchs. Right. Property rights uh, are not adhered to if you're outside of right. the inner circle. You know, and the big the big uh, oil companies know that, and they you know they tread very very carefully. That doesn't mean they won't ever uh, invest again in, in Russia. They, they they will. It's too big a pot of oil, um, but the circumstances. You know, have to be very narrowly defined, and it's just not easy. That's right, and it's uh, and I think that's it's to their detriment because they've not been able to open up and invite international of, of and not only in, in the oil and gas industry, but any industry at all. And their non-adherence to property rights, unless you're in the inner circle, um, I think is really detracting from uh, from from their progress as a country. What do you think? Well, clearly, I mean, their economic growth. Statistics are, are poor. Right. Actually, not not as bad as Brazil's, but they're poor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or Venezuela. All right. Okay. Thanks very much, Rick, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Philosophical Angle. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.